Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. So God is faithful. <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. And uh, yeah, we're just on the back end of our vacation Bible school, celebrating all that God did and also really tired. I think we're all really tired. Yeah. So a little less energy in the room, I noticed from all of you. So anyway, stay with me. All right, stay with me. I'm going to talk about food to get going. That should get us all excited, right? But first, I want to thank all of the volunteers. You guys did a wonderful job. If you volunteer, please stand up. Let's just give them a hand, would you? Thank you guys so much for volunteering. You guys knocked it out of the park. So way to go. Appreciate it. Oh, that was really, really a good time. All right, so I really like food. I'm going to just talk about food, get you all woken up. All right, so I love different types of food, different flavors of food, um, different styles of food. And um, in fact, we went last night and got some sushi. And I don't even like sushi, but man, it was so good. We had Dragon Ball Z sushi or something. I don't know what it was. It was really good, though. It was really good. Um, but, but back in January, I had COVID. And, uh, and if you've had COVID, you know that some, one of the symptoms is you lose your sense of smell and taste. And so this is June. And I still don't have all of my taste back. Um, I don't have all of my smell back either. I, you know, I'm kind of getting there, but I'm not quite there yet. And so I've learned I, I really like more of those strong tasting foods, strong tasting coffee, you know, drinks, things like that. And so um, I really like the stronger flavors. And so I was thinking, what are some of the best spices in the world? You know, maybe we can add some of this to my cornflakes or something like that, you know? Um, so I looked up the top five most expensive spices, and I thought I would just share this with you because I thought this was pretty, pretty interesting. First of all is long pepper. Anyone ever heard of long pepper? It's $45 a pound, just to give you an idea of the cost here. But I'm going to read a little bit about each of these. So long pepper has a history as rich as black pepper, but it is more complex in flavor. Notes of nutmeg, cinnamon, and ginger make it an all-around spicier pepper. Used for Ayurvedic recipes, I don't know what that is, as well as many Indonesian and Malaysian ones. That makes you want to go buy some long pepper and try it out, right? Put it in your spaghetti. That's what I want to do. Here's another one, malab. I think it's how you say it. Malab, ever heard of this? Boy, we, we just eat burgers here, don't we? Just <laughs> chicken and burgers and pizza. Malab, $68 a pound. It's an aromatic spice which comes from the seeds of a species of cherry. The seeds are cracked to extract the seed kernel, which when fresh is soft and chewy. Its flavor is similar to a combination of bitter almond and cherry. It is used in small quantities to enhance the taste of traditional sweets. So when you make me those Christmas cookies, put some malab in it this year. That'd be good. The next one, and we kind of know this one, is pure vanilla. I didn't know this, but I guess because I use imitation vanilla. But pure vanilla is expensive, $200 a pound. In fact, this bottle is like a condensed version from Tahiti. That's $378 a quart for this. 
So I think that homemade vanilla ice cream would be really good with this. Wouldn't you think? You know where I work. If you make some of that, just stop by the church. Uh, then next one is organic fennel pollen. Anybody? Nobody? No, all right. Powerful licorice flavor with honey and citrus notes. A small dash of fennel pollen can add intense flavor and complexity to any dish. Fennel pollen is traditionally paired with pork, but it can also be used as a dry rub on meats or sprinkled on fish or vegetables for exceptional flavor. Ooh, we all want some of that now, don't we? You can Google Amazon right now and order if you want. I won't be offended. That's $500 a pound. So it's a little more expensive, but not the most expensive. Does anyone know what the most expensive spice is in the world? It's saffron. Saffron, $5,000 a pound. I've never heard of saffron before this week. It's one of the most precious spices in the world. The thread-like red stigmas and the yellow hue they impart are quite literally the stuff of legend. Saffron is extremely subtle and fragrant. The slightly sweet, luxurious taste is totally enigmatic. It's tricky to describe, but instantly recognizable in a dish. As annoying as it is to say, you know it when you taste it. Anyone ever tasted saffron? Yeah. Oh, you have, Christopher. All right. I want to dine with you, buddy. That's awesome. One pound of saffron produced takes 200,000 saffron stigmas to be handpicked from 70,000 crocus flowers. <laughs> That's crazy. So those are the top five most expensive spices that I found on the internet. Anyway, but if you want to go more of the cheaper route, here's what I got for you. This is from the Shipshawana Spice Company. It's called Happy Salt. All right. <laughs> Happy salt makes everything taste better. It has salt, spices. I mean, it might even have some saffron in there. You don't ever know. Um, I don't think it does. Dehydrated onion and garlic. And so if you want just a little more spice to your life, pick up some happy salt from the Shipshawana Spice Company. Uh, it's only $17 per bottle, okay? So it's not terribly expensive. Don't steal mine after service. All right. <laughs> So why do people spend so much money and do so much research and try all kinds of different things with spices? It's because it makes food taste better, right? It makes food taste better. Spices can change bland food to something that's really worthwhile to eat. Now, in the same way, see, food can be bland without spice. Our life can be pretty bland without Jesus. Isn't that true? I mean, this, this life, we can, it can just be, um, you know, we, we, we're born, we go to school, we work till we retire because we think we're going to make it when we retire, and then we realize there's nothing at the end of retirement, you know, at the end of, at, when we retire, and then we die. <laughs> I mean, that, that can be, and that is so many people's lives. Switchfoot has a song called Meant to Live. It's an older song. Here's a couple of their verses. It says, we were meant to live for so much more. 
Have we lost ourselves? We want more than this world's got to offer. More, we want more than the wars of our fathers. And everything inside screams, screams for a second life. I mean, we just realize that there's something missing in this life. There's something missing in this life. People are, are always asking the question, at some point, they're asking this question, who am I and why am I here, right? Those two basic foundational questions in this life. And if they don't find God in the midst of that, life can be very, very bland. Well, our, the spice of life is a life following Jesus. It just is. And for those of us who have found Jesus and are living that life or tasting the flavor of God in our lives, we have an obligation. And that obligation is to share our faith with others. Right? That's, that's the obligation that each of us has. But in this world, our, our culture many times is telling us as Christians, hey, you know, just keep your faith to yourself. Keep quiet. We don't want to hear what you have to say. And then they just go on living a very, very bland and pointless existence. But that's not what Jesus wants for us. Jesus knows that following him and faith in God is the spice of life. It's the missing ingredient. And so he's called each of us to be willing to share our faith, to be noticeable. And we're going to study a scripture today where Jesus speaks specifically to that. Um, you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're studying the Sermon on the Mount. Our message series is called Counterculture, the sermon that changed everything. And in this sermon, the first recorded sermon that Jesus preached, it's recorded in chapters 5, 6, and 7. I mean, he changed the world in just three chapters. I don't know how long it took him to preach this message. It was but it changed the world. And it was very counterculture. It was very different than what was normal, uh, both in the religious sector and the non-religious sector. Um, and it is still changing our world today. But in this section, oh, sorry, last week we had a message called uh, Two-Track Living, Taking the Uncommon Path. And it was a message about we as followers of Jesus need to take the less traveled path uh, to not go along with the crowd. So if you missed that message, I would encourage you to go online. You can watch it. But in today's scripture, Jesus is making it very, very clear to his followers that we are not supposed to keep the secret of following Jesus to ourselves. We are supposed to let other people know. So let me read this. I forgot my glasses, so I'm going to do my best. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Rick. If I, if I say it wrong, you might just have to help me. Okay? Starting with verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, chapter 5, verse 13. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So today's message is titled, Salt and Light. 
adding flavor to the world. And I'm going to give us a couple of reasons why we should add the flavor of Jesus to those around us. All right. But first, let me pray. And then I'll give you something to fill in on your handouts. So, Father, we come to you and thank you so much for your word that is true. Lord, we thank you that this message was recorded in Scripture so that we can learn from it and study from it today and live our lives based on it. So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be here today, that you would guide us and direct us, give us ears to hear from you, and, Lord, I pray that you would give me your words to speak. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we should all add flavor to this world because, number one, the world needs something. It just it, it doesn't quite taste right without God. It reminded me of a time, my kids won't let me forget about this, but we were making homemade pizza, and when we make homemade pizza, most of it is like from our garden and it's from, um, you know, friends of ours have... Uh, a pig farm, you know, things like that. So we try to use a lot of our own ingredients. So my wife had made a batch of homemade pizza sauce. And so we were putting that on the pizza sauce or on the pizza. And I remember tasting it and going, it's just missing something. I, I can't put my, my, I just can't figure out what it is. So I added sugar to, cause I'd sweeten it up a little bit. Cause you know how sometimes yeah, some of you are going, no, that's what happened. It, was, it wasn't right. It wasn't the missing ingredient. So, and, and that's really what's happening in this world, right? People are like, there's something missing in their lives. No matter how hard they try, things just aren't going well. You know, they're not happy at night. They're not happy when they wake up in the morning. Now, you can, you can have a little bit of happiness through life's things, right? You know, drugs and alcohol and living for yourself and buying things. But all of that will eventually wear out, wear off. And that's what happens is people, they keep trying to fill because there's a missing ingredient. Jesus is that missing ingredient. I mean, he made us in such a way that we are not complete without him. That's how he's designed each and every single person on this planet, no matter where you're from, it's all the same. So that's why we need to be willing to share what we know with others. Um, I, I was reminded of the story of Jonah and the whale. I think, didn't they do that in the VBS? They had like a, a Jonah room or something. Nobody knows. All right, so I think they did. I don't know. It was Paul. It was Paul. It wasn't Jonah. I didn't go in the boat, so I didn't know. So anyway, but uh, so Jonah and Jonah and the whale, we always think about the whale side of it, right? So, you know, Jonah is, but he's told by God to go to Nineveh and to preach, you know, and tell them to turn from their sin. That's what he's told to do. He's told them, he's told to go share the light of God. That's what he's told to do, but he doesn't do it. He rebels. He says, I don't want to do it. I don't know why, but he says, I don't want to do it. And so he goes down to Joppa to get on a boat to go to Tarshish. There's a big storm. They throw him overboard. He's swallowed by a whale. While he's in the belly of the whale, Jonah changes his mind. <laughs> now, the sad thing is, it's three days before he gets spit out. 
Did he sit there for three days before he repented? I don't know, but it was three days before God decided, okay, I'm going to, he's learned his lesson, spits him out, and he goes to Nineveh. Now, that's usually the end of the story. That's what we think about is, you know, Jonah and the whale. But here's the deal. Nineveh was an incredibly evil and wicked city, much like Sodom and Gomorrah. And God had made, had proclaimed judgment against the city. And he was going to destroy the city in 40 days. He's just gonna, he's gonna wipe it out like he did Sodom and Gomorrah. So Jonah does reluctantly, he goes and he tells them to repent. And they do. The whole city, the, from the king on down, they fast and they pray and they repent. And the city is saved. The city is saved because there's a missing ingredient. It was God and righteous living, God's ways. And the whole city was going to be destroyed if Jonah didn't tell them, if he didn't share his faith, if he wasn't obedient. But because he did, the entire city was saved. Guys, our, our world is becoming increasingly wicked. Um, it's, be, it's becoming increasingly dark. And God has proclaimed judgment on this planet. One day it's, it's going to happen. It's all predicted in the book of Revelation. But people are dying and, and going to hell. People are dying. They're living in death while they're alive. They're living without hope. And we have an obligation as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus today, to share your faith. We need to. The world needs it. It's the missing ingredient. And just remember, when we share our faith, it's, it's not about us. It's about them. It's about what they're missing. It's about what they need. All right, so that's just the first point. I want to spend a little bit more time on the second point today. We should all add flavor to this world because the other options aren't good. Let me, let me explain that. This isn't about flavor. This is about us. This is about we should shine our light or be salt of the earth because the other options aren't very good for us. Verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and, gives, and it gives light to everyone in the house. So the scripture is telling us that we need to be salt and light. That's what he's saying. He's saying we need to be salt and light. And if we're not salt and light, what are the other options? Well, instead of tasting salty, we can be tasteless salt particles. We can be NACL without any salt, salty taste. Maybe good for melting some ice. That's about it, right? Instead of putting a light, our light on a stand, we can actually hide it under a bowl. See, those are the two options. Now, they seem... Pretty extreme, don't they? You know, either we are fully tasting salty or we have no taste at all. 
We put our light way up for everybody to see, or we're hiding it under a bowl. Those are the only two options that God is giving us in the Scripture. Put it in real person terms. We can either be a crazy Jesus fanatic, or we can completely hide our faith. That's what it seems like are the two options that Jesus is talking about. Neither of those options sound very good, right? I mean, nobody wants to be seen as this crazy fanatic. There's got to be a third option. When you think, like kind of salty, isn't there an option to be kind of salty? Or maybe to, to, to hide our light sometimes, but we shine it other times, you know, but it's not completely hidden away. Well, in Scripture, there is a third option. It's called being lukewarm. It's neither hot nor cold. It's neither extreme. It's right there in the middle. And it would seem like God would be okay with that. Right? Revelation chapter 3 says... To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. If we are living our life our faith out loud. We're not shining our light. If we're not being salty, I mean, I think Jesus would start talking to us about being lukewarm. Now, I just want you to know, this is a hard message today. On the back end of celebrating, you know, our vacation Bible school. But I think it's one that we all need to hear today. I know it's one that I need to hear this week. God wants us to be either hot or cold. Because when we're hot, we're on fire for him. I mean, we're a good example of who Christ is. We're shining our light. You know, we're doing the work of the kingdom. That's, that's his preference. But if we're not doing that, then just don't even claim to be a Christian. Just go live a pagan life, and maybe another Christian will reach you one day, and then you'll become one. That's, the, that's kind of the reason behind this. But he says, "What you're neither hot nor cold. So you're sitting there in the middle. You're you're wearing the label of Christian, but you're not doing anything about it. You're just living your life from the time you're born to the time you die. We have a mission, each and every one of us, while we're here on this planet. He doesn't want us to waste our time. So this idea of being lukewarm of." Being a follower of Jesus, but, but keeping our faith hidden. It, it shouldn't be, but it is pretty common. Um, and not just for us today. It was common back in Jesus' day as well. I want to talk about the apostle Peter. And he was, he was very vocal about being a follower of Jesus. In fact, when uh, Jesus was getting ready to go into Jerusalem and he knew he was going to die, 
you know, that was all going to happen. He started talking to his disciples and telling them, hey, I'm going to be crucified. Um, and this is going to happen. And the scripture says it's been prophesied. They strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. You all will scatter. And Peter's like, there's no way that's going to happen. He says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 33, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I mean, we've been there, right? We're like, I'm never going to deny you, Christ. It's never going to happen. Now, Jesus, being compassionate towards Peter and knowing what was about to happen, looks to him and says, this very night, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. He didn't want Peter to be surprised by his actions. It was going to happen. Peter's like, there's no way. That can't happen. And he says in verse 35, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. There's no way. I would never disown you. I've, I've been with you these three years. I've seen you do all these miracles. I know that you're the Messiah. Jesus or God, the Holy Spirit told me that. I would never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Now we know the scripture that night, Peter disowns Jesus three times. Denies that he even knows the man. But what it, and, and Peter gets a bad, bad rap on that. But this week when I was reading it, it said, and all the other disciples said the same. All of them said they wouldn't deny Christ. They wouldn't disown him. And they all scattered and left Jesus alone. Guys, we, we, are, we are like the disciples. We're like Peter. We can have a strong faith, but when the opportunity comes and the pressure is on, that's, that's, when it's, that's when we're tested, right? And I don't know about you, but there's been many times in those moments that I haven't done a good job of shining my light brightly. It's been a lot more close to my vest, sometimes maybe even under a bowl. Now, the good news is that Peter was restored. You know, there can be hope for us. There can be hope for us. Well, I want, I, I want to talk about four, I think I have four um, bowls that we can hide our faith under. Reasons why we do this. Um, because I think that if we can understand why we do this at times, it'll help us to not do it at other times. So the first one is this is the bowl of fear. This is what Peter was dealing with. I mean, his master had just been arrested, was being tried, and was going to be condemned to death. So Peter sees this. I mean, a mob had come and taken him away with swords and clubs. And so Peter's standing there and they're saying, Aren't you one of his disciples? And he, he was just afraid. He was just afraid. Fear can drive us. Now, most of us aren't afraid of dying for our faith. We don't live in Iran or China or Afghanistan where that's a true uh, fear for them. But we do have a fear of man, a fear of others' opinions. We don't want people to think that we are a fanatic, right? It's possible that if we become vocal about our faith that we might... We might lose a promotion. 
We might be talked about, made fun of. Shoot, we might even lose our job. So this fear can drive us, can keep us silent, can have us put our light under a bowl. Man, sometimes scripture is challenging, isn't it? Matthew 10, 32, this is the verse that came to me this week. This is Jesus speaking. He says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Guys, if we're going to be afraid of something, we should be afraid of that. We should be afraid that in heaven one day, Jesus looks at us and goes, I, you never acknowledged that you knew me. So I'm not, I'm not going to acknowledge I know you. That fear should drive us much more than the fear of man around us, or what it could cost us to acknowledge that we know Jesus. But that's a bowl that we have to deal with, a bowl of fear. Another one's a bowl of distraction. And there's just so much going on, I think that we can just forget to shine our light. Right? We don't even think about shining our light or acknowledging that we're followers of Jesus because we got so much happening. In the parable of the four soils, Jesus describes this life as a life living unfruitful because we're in the weeds. And he defines the weeds, he says in verse 18, still others like seeds sown among thorns, among weeds, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Man, in America, if we don't live in a place that those weeds are all around us, I mean, I don't know where else you do. The worries of this life, I mean, just read the front page, right? I mean, there's all kinds of things to worry about. There's a new variant of the virus that's going to spike. I mean, it's going to happen. You know, and now they're talking about the West Nile thing, you know, and the mosquitoes. And I mean, just there's worries all over the place. The deceitfulness of wealth. Man, if I just made another dollar an hour, or I made another two bucks an hour, if I just saved this much money, man, I could, if I just had more money, then I'd be happy. And then, of course, the desires for other things. With that money, then I can buy all the things. If I just had that vacation home, if I just had that vacation, if I just bought that new car, none of that is going to amount to anything, right? At the end of the day, when we're laying on our deathbeds, we're not going to lay there and go, man, I just wish I would have bought one more snowmobile. I mean, it's just not going to be, it's just not going to be there. We're going to think about standing before Jesus. And we're going to want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And we're going to think back about, what do we spend our life on? But we get distracted. I get distracted. I understand this. It's a distraction. This world is a distraction. We got to put those things aside, right? Focus on what really matters. Another bowl that keeps us from sharing our faith is the bowl of shame. This is when the devil tempts us to sin. 
And he says, look how great this will be if you, if you just do this one simple thing. And so then you do it, like, oh, this is awesome. I got to do this sin. And then we find out that it's empty. And then Satan comes around and says, you, you did that? We're like, well, you, you told me to do this. How could you do that? You call yourself a Christian. And then he starts accusing us and telling us how awful and bad we are. And so what is that? Then, then shame comes up. And so when an opportunity comes to share our faith, the devil reminds us of how bad a Christian we are. And we just, you know, you can almost feel it, like you're getting ready to, and then you remember the sinful stuff that you have going on, and then you just, you're, I can't. Who am I to share my faith? I can't. I'm caught up in this sin. And, and Satan's like, you're right. You can't share your faith. Peter, going back to Peter, he was so ashamed of denying Christ and doing nothing about it. Jesus died. That he actually left Jerusalem, went back to his hometown in Galilee and started fishing again. He just gave up. He's just like, I just can't be a disciple for Jesus anymore. I'm just going to, I'm going to go back and go fishing. And Jesus shows up in person and restores Peter. I mean, this is, this is the guy who denied that he even knew Jesus three times when Jesus, you know, was being crucified, was being arrested and tried. And he ends up becoming the cornerstone of the church. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on you, Peter, even though you're not perfect. Well, none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. I just want to speak some truth. There's nothing that you can ever do that God can't forgive. Jesus' death on the cross was good enough to cover every mistake and every sin you and I have ever done. Every single one. And so when the devil starts telling you you're not good enough... <laughs> We talked about this a few weeks ago. You just tell him where to go, right? We have authority over the enemy. Here's a scripture. Um, it's just good to remember this scripture. 1 John 1, 8 through 10 says this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So first of all, we're all sinners, right? I mean, if we say we're not, then we're lying. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So it, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Not some, not a little, you know, like the little sins, he purifies us from all unrighteousness, everything. And so we get to stand before an almighty God, pure and holy, when we do what? When we confess our sins, right? When we confess our sins, when we admit that we've made a mistake. And I don't care if you have to do that many times in a day, God will forgive you every single time. 
There is nothing you've ever done, nothing you could ever do that God will not forgive you for if you go to him. And then he purifies you. And so you do not have to live this life in shame. None of us do. But it starts with admitting that we're wrong. Now, if you do have a sin area that you can't seem to get over, I would encourage you to confess your sins not only to God, but to another person, an accountability partner, to a pastor, to a leader here in the church. There is power when we confess our sins to each other. There's a scripture that says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. When other people pray for you, you can, you can find deliverance and freedom from habitual sins. But you're not, you don't have to live in shame. None of us have to live in shame. I don't care what you've done. I've probably done worse, just so you know. We do not have to live in shame. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. No condemnation. So don't let shame, or don't let your own sin keep you from sharing your faith. Boy, the enemy wants to win that one. Don't let him. Confess your sin. Repent. Say you're sorry. Move on. All right, last bowl that keeps us from sharing our faith is the bowl of not wanting to make others uncomfortable. (laughs) I couldn't think of a shorter way of saying that. This is one that I struggle with. In all honesty, it's not difficult for me. I've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. I love doing outreach and missions. It's not difficult for me to do good deeds. All right, it's just not. That comes pretty natural for me. Um, It is difficult for me to share my faith. All right, so I'm going to give you a small example. I was at a grocery store the other day, and this this lady was getting groceries, and it just looked like maybe she was in need, and so um, she didn't have very many groceries. And so I just went over and just put my my card in and paid for her groceries. Great opportunity, right, to share your faith. And she said, oh, what are you doing? I said, I just want to buy your groceries. She said, well, thank you. I said, have a good day. And I walked away. That was it. That wasn't my intention. That's what I did. I just didn't want the situation to get uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Just like if you bring up God, you bring up church, all of a sudden it just gets uncomfortable. And I didn't want her to be uncomfortable. I didn't want to feel uncomfortable. I just wanted to do this good deed. The scripture in verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We do good deeds to glorify our Father in heaven. But if they don't know the reason why we're doing the good deeds, how will they know? How will they give God the glory? Instead of you know, having faith in mankind, which we really shouldn't have faith in mankind, right? We should have faith in God. That's why we shine our light. That's why we tell people that we're Christians. That's why we wear Christian shirts and hats and bumper stickers and anything that would say, I'm a Christian. We're part of sharing our faith, getting it out there so that when we do the good deeds, people know why. It's because we're followers of Jesus. This past week, we had, I think we had 45 kids uh, the first night, we had 50 the next, 55 the last night. On a normal Sunday, we have about 
15 to 20 kids here. So just to give you an idea, you know, more than double what we normally have. So we had a lot of children at our vacation Bible school that were from outside the church. And most of them um, were brought by somebody. Somebody invited them, their friends, relatives, neighbors, things like that. One family came because they, they went to um, Concord, I think it was Concord High School, to pick up food. They're kind of a, they needed some food, and they were giving away lunches to the kids. And one of the workers there told them about what's going on at Concord Schools and when the next food pickup is. And by the way, there's a vacation Bible school over here at Lighthouse. <laughs> and so they came. We have a tradition here where we put up flowers, white flowers, whenever someone professes to follow Jesus, either for the first time or they recommit their lives to follow Jesus. And so we had that opportunity the last night at our vacation Bible school, and uh, enough hands went up that I couldn't count them fast enough to commit to Christ or to rededicate <laughs> adults and children. So it's somewhere around two dozen is where we're at. Um, but I just, I just want to say, these kids had a great time. Kids won bikes, and we did toys and games. And it's because somebody invited them. Somebody told them about it. Now, there, there were 50, 55 kids here. There are thousands of kids in our area that didn't hear about it that weren't invited. Nobody would bring them. They missed out. They missed out not only on a great time and great food, but they missed out on an opportunity to become a follower of Jesus, to receive heaven for all eternity. Guys, we need to be willing to make things uncomfortable. But let's face it. A little bit of discomfort now is worth it compared to a lot of discomfort for all eternity. I mean, if we believe this book, if we believe this book, then we do believe that the tens of thousands of people in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our places of work that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they will burn in hell for all eternity. You can't Believe this book without believing that fact. It's okay to bring some discomfort in our lives, in our workplaces, in our relationships today to be willing to risk it for their eternity. Here's your last fill-in. It's okay to offend someone while trying to prevent their eternal damnation. And I know this message was a little more edgy than most. But I feel like God just wants to light a little fire under us. We need it. Because it's not what we need as much as what the world needs. They need us to be willing to shine our light and add flavor to this world. 
going to invite Matt to come up here. He's going to lead us in a time of prayer. So for prayer today, the prayer is going to be a prayer of encouragement. It's going to be a prayer of encouragement. But I think that all of us in the room fall into four categories that I'm going to share, maybe a fifth. There might be a fifth, um, but I'm, I'm thinking there's four. And It has to do kind of with that first point, that the world needs something. I, the encouragement is, I want to share that, that the world needs something, and we all in here have something to give. I love this scripture. The end of it, you know, it talks about, or it says, um, people have shared, shared their light. I've seen your light. I've seen your good deeds. Um, for me personally, that was part of my testimony. When I got baptized and I shared my testimony, it was because of people in my life. I mean, Jesus had an impact, but... I am where I am today because I saw the good deeds of others and it affected me. And those people didn't even know that they made an impact on my life. And so for us in this room, like we have an impact. Every one of us has an impact on somebody's life. And so that's where I think it's important that we, that we get this prayer. So the four categories, so you have an impact on somebody's life, but maybe you feel like you are losing your saltiness. Maybe that's one of the cattle, like, man, I'm just, I'm down. I feel I'm losing some of my saltiness. And this is just all going along with the scriptures that we shared. Or maybe you're saying, well, my light's getting a little dim, or maybe my light's under the bowl, and there's those four categories. Maybe it's something more that, that Pastor Clint shared of maybe it's fear or it's distraction or shame or uncomfortableness that I'm keeping my light under a bowl, and you want to remove that bowl. And this is maybe similar to the others, but maybe you're lukewarm right now. And we know that that's not what God wants from us. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm. That maybe there's an area of your life where you're feeling lukewarm. And then the fourth category that I was thinking of that, that God may say is that you might be thinking, I'm in a pretty good spot. I'm not one of those three. My light's shining, but maybe you want to make your light shine brighter. Maybe you want to pour some gasoline or some kerosene, wherever they use, some oil into that lamp and make your light shine brighter. And so what I was going to do, I was going to have everybody stand. I was going to pray. But God told me he wants, he wants you to acknowledge where you're at. And so I'm going to call these out again. And if that feels like you, I want you to stand. The fifth category that I shared was if maybe that doesn't feel like you, I don't want to force something on you to stand if you don't feel called. So if you feel like maybe you're losing your saltiness, I'm going to ask that you stand now. Is that anybody in here? You're losing your saltiness? Does anybody in the room feel like they need to remove the bowl from their light? Their light is shining, but they need to remove a bowl. What about those in the room that maybe feel like you're lukewarm? You're at this thing, right? God says, don't be either be cold or hot. The encouragement's going to be, let's move to hot, but you're feeling lukewarm. 
And what about those in the room? Is there anybody in the room that feels like, you know what? My light's shining, I'm in a pretty good spot, but I wanna shine brighter. I wanna shine brighter. You want kerosene or oil on your lamp. If that's you, I want you to stand now. So for all of you that are standing, we're gonna pray. So God, we just come to you and we say thank you for your word. I know like Pastor Clint said today that it's that sometimes the messages that you want to give us um, are hard. There's some sometimes some things that we don't want to hear. And so God, I pray, I pray an encouragement on those that are standing that they mean something. Let them feel that from you this morning, God. That we all can have a light and it can shine incredibly bright. We think of Lighthouse Vineyard Church and how many lumens and how bright a lighthouse light is, God. I pray that on this room right now. That God, if they are losing their saltiness, that you add that spice back in to their life. Or if if their bowl is hiding their light, God, just remove that, whether it's fear or distraction or shame or uncomfortableness. Remove that bowl, God. And those that are lukewarm, I'm not even praying that they go cold, that I pray that, that you put them on the fire and get them hot again. And God, for those in the room that their light is shining, I don't know what you use. I'm going to say gasoline. Just pour gasoline on that fire because it is going to be bright. (laughs) I'm actually getting an image. I went to Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago, and I want their flame, just like the, um, the grave of JFK, that it's an eternal flame. Those are the prayers that we lift to you. God, I want it to be an encouragement that we mean something because you created us to be something. Let our lights shine as we leave this room this morning. We thank you for your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us today. If you have any other uh, specific prayer requests, we have a prayer team that will pray for you. Just come on up to the front row. Um, Other than that, you are dismissed, and we'll see you next week. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.